0: Juicy sizzling steak, hand tossed original dough, a four cheese blend, and Papa John's creamy signature Philly sauce. It's like the best cheesesteak sandwich ever, but way better because it's on a pizza, which means you can share it. So show some brotherly or whateverly love and get yourself one today. Right now at Papa John's, get a large Philly or any large specialty Papa John's pizza for just 12 bucks. Yes, 12 bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. At participating U.S. stores, prices may vary, tax and tip and fee extra.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
2: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Change Agents Dilemma for Tuesday, January 19th, 2010 on Block Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do every two weeks on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Inclaria LLC. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority, and one of the ways that you do that is by learning new ideas and concepts to help you to implement change. And so today, we'll be learning about how to create alignment with four questions. I've got a guest with me today. His name is Jeff LeBeau. He's the founder and principal consultant for Atlanta-based Alignment at Work, LLC. He brings more than 25 years' experience in consulting, executive coaching, facilities planning and manufacturing operations. Some of his notable clients include the Atlanta Community Food Bank and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control here in Atlanta. Jeff has led over 180 workshops on poll thinking, which we'll be hearing a little bit about today, and other technical topics. And he's also assisted on the book called Poll Thinking. He holds two industrial engineering degrees, which is twice as many as I have. um, But his are from the University of Michigan. And he's also a registered professional engineer in Georgia. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you for being here.
1: Good morning, Heather. Happy. My pleasure.
2: So let's start with the basics. When, um, as I said, set up the topic today is how to create alignment with four questions. So what is alignment?
1: Excellent question. You ask a room full of people, what is alignment? You'll get 20 different answers. The thing is, everybody knows that alignment is good, and they can feel when they have it or when they don't have it. We like to think of alignment as everybody being together on the same page, all working toward the same common purpose. It turns out, though, that you have to go a little bit deeper than just having a common purpose. So the way we define alignment is agreement on the answers to the four poll questions between a supplier and a customer. So agreement on the answers to the four poll questions between a supplier and a customer.
2: So the four poll questions, why don't you go ahead and tell us what those are?
1: Yes, so these four questions, when taken together, create a poll. We'd like everybody to visualize a link in a chain And when you've got that agreement on answers, you have a nice, solid link, and you have alignment. Question one, and by the way, this is on slide one for those who may want to look at that. Question one is, what is the purpose? And that's basically, that would be the vision, the mission, some typical purposes or somebody's primary purpose in their job, which might be to equip change agents to be successful. That's Mm -hmm. your key purpose, Heather. Mm -hmm. Question two is what are the measures of success regarding that purpose? Measures of success, there are actually many different names for that, such as expectations, goals, targets, objectives gets used sometimes specifications, standards, laws. You get the idea. It's really the description, and this could be very numerical, like a SMART goal. So a, a very measurable description of success for that particular purpose. And there can often be multiple measures of success all at the same time. For example, if your purpose is to drive to Alabama, some of the measures of success are that you arrive in Birmingham because that would be your destination. You get zero speeding tickets. You arrive safely as in zero accident. You stay within the white line and so on and so forth. Um, And then you do it for less than $200. So all those are different measures of success that all describe what is, that describe if you're indeed being successful with your purpose. So that's question two. Question three then is what is actually being measured? And question four then is what is the frequency of measurement? So question three, is a behavior as is question four. So going back to the drive to Alabama, if you say success is zero tickets, what you're actually going to measure is the number of tickets that you receive on this trip. And the frequency of measurement is how often you'll be making that check. And in in a case like that, you'll probably make that check every time you pass a police car. (laughs) Dodge that bullet. And then when you arrive at your destination, you can say, indeed, we got zero tickets. In the case of success is I stay between the white lines, question two, what you would actually measure is staying within the white lines. And a measurement like that is so critical that you are literally measuring that at three or four times per second. It's just happening so fast, you're almost not even conscious of it. So different measurements need to be made at different frequencies according to the specific situation. So those four questions, and it's always those same questions, are what you need to have agreement on, or I should say the answers need to be agreed upon between a service provider and their customer.
2: Okay. Now, earlier you referenced slides that someone might look at. I just wanted to point out where those would be for anyone who is interested or who is more of a visual person. Uh, On the Blog Talk Radio show, it's blogtalkradio.com slash influencechange, one word, Uh, there is the show called Create Alignment with Four Questions, and on there there is a link to a PDF of four slides, if you wanted to take a look at those, it's not necessary for listening to the show, but I just wanted to point out where they were if somebody wanted to look at them. Got it. Okay, so you have the four questions, which, and when you talk about those, it sounds it, sn- it smells a lot to me like is related to accountability, and so I was wondering if you could shed some light on what how alignment is related to accountability?
1: Uh, again, an excellent question. So how does alignment relate to accountability? Once again, I would ask, so what is the definition of accountability? And it might sound finicky to nitpick at something like that. However, if everybody was in alignment about the definition for accountability, then it would be very clear what it means. and you would know when you have it or not. The reality is you ask people a question like, what is accountability, and you'll get 10 different answers.
2: Right. And I, I had a show several months ago called Accountability is Meaningless Without a Definition. So I, I can provide mine if you like. I've got it right here. Please. Um, yes. Accountability is a promise to yourself and others to deliver specific defined behaviors and results with some kind of consequences for doing so or not doing so.
1: Got it. So relating the four poll questions to accountability with that definition. So the promise to sell for others would really be poll question number two. What are the measures of success? If you promise that you will deliver a project for $2 million or less, that's your promise. Question three, then, what are you actually measuring at the end of the project, you're gonna tally up the numbers and see how you did, good or bad. And if you overran the project by, quote, too much, you're likely to lose your job. That would be a consequence. Really, the measurement gives you that feedback against your measure of success or against your promise to know how you're doing. If that frequency of measurement, however, is zero, it means you would never be making that measurement. You never would know how much you spent, and therefore nobody could come along and do anything to you because nobody ever really knows what you did. So the four poll questions really make all the information that's required for accountability visible. The only aspect that's not included is the consequences of either making or missing your promise.
2: Okay. So it seems like a side benefit of having alignment is that accountability would follow. Because if you've got that agreement up front on how you're aligned. Right. Then you, yeah, accountability naturally follows. Okay.
1: Sure. And uh, you might uh, define, say, a service level agreement with a customer. And you might say we guarantee 99.5% uptime, and when that's not achieved, there's a $500 penalty or refund on the cost of the service that month. That would be a consequence as a result of the, um, the result. So actually as part of that, you can actually even agree on what the consequence would be. In fact, that would be a good thing to agree on up front.
2: So we've talked a bit about the theory of what the four questions are, but maybe we could go through and have specific examples for each question.
1: Sure. So question one, what is the purpose? That really gets into vision and mission, and that really sets the overall direction for the endeavor. So an example, uh, we were doing some work with the top leaders of the Atlanta Boy Scouts. These are professional scouters. It was a group of 15 of them, very tightly knit group, uh, as intense as any corporate group you could imagine. Think of this, though. The values of the Boy Scout, the 12 Scout laws, had been set in place for going on 100 years. It's very clear what the values are and what the group is about. This leadership team had just come off a three-day retreat, and then we started to work with them. We split them up into three groups and asked them to write down the vision for the Atlanta Boy Scouts, and believe it or not, they came back with three different answers. That was surprising because of the cohesiveness of that group, uh, but it just goes to show that there's always the opportunity for misalignment unless you can be very explicit about uh, all these questions. So when we pointed that out to them, they spent a little bit of time and came up with one vision that the group could all support. So they got agreement on question one. Um, Just another quick example, I think, because it's so critical. I'll ask an executive team a real basic question, which is, what is the primary purpose of business And so I don't embarrass anybody, I always have them write down their answers anonymously and then read them back to the group. If everybody was aligned, you would get one answer to that question. Well, I've never gotten one answer. The answers vary from to provide a service to customers, to raise shareholder value, to make money for stockholders, to maximize service to customers, it's all over the map. And so imagine then you've got business leaders coming together for a business endeavor and they're not even clear what the whole purpose of their business endeavor is. It's scary. And if they're not aligned around that, imagine what it's like for all their team members and associates that they lead. And by the way, the answer that we like to use for that is purpose of business is to provide service that's acknowledged by money. Focus is always on service.
2: Great. I like that definition. An
1: example example on question two, measures of success. Very practical for those of you who um, are in a relationship. On one Valentine's Day, I came home with flowers and a card for my wife i walked in the room thinking i was a hero here she looked at me and said where's the lobster (laughs) it turns out that flower success for me was flowers and a card on valentine's day success for her was flowers card lobster an example where I didn't meet her expectations because I didn't know her expectations Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we like to also uh, remind people that what goes without saying doesn't always go so just a, a quick other thing on the next holiday I called her up from the store and asked her how many lobsters to bring home and also made sure to find out if they were supposed to be live or cooked and I can tell you that worked out much better. <laughs> so those are examples of being clear on your purpose and defining your measures of success. I'll also point out that those are plans or words or really your strategy. That's what you would like to do. Questions three and question four are really your performance metrics, and that's where the rubber meets the road. So an example on question three, recently we were doing some work with the CDC Centers for Disease Control, helping them analyze their uh, strategic plan that they were just finishing up in preparation for their next plan. So question three, we we always want to compare what they're measuring to what they defined as their measures of success. It turns out, yes, they were making a number of measurements, but, for example, one of their measures of success would be 10% reduction in polio worldwide. And they came back with an actual measurement of all these different activities that were being done around polio eradication, but they never did have the specific measurement of the percent reduction in polio that they had achieved. And uh, missing that agreement between question three and question two is a problem. (coughs) Uh, Excuse me there. Mm -hmm. Another example was working with a very prestigious law firm in Atlanta. So, question two, they defined as providing excellent service to our clients. Question three, what did they actually measure? Was well, billable hours. And the youngest associate in the firm stood up, raised his hand, and he said, "Folks, that's not right."
2: <laughs> that's a brave and, guy. <laughs> you
1: know, he expected to lose his job, but he didn't. And so the group talked about it for a while and said, so really, what's important? And the head of the practice group got up and said, you know what, question two, success is 80% of our time is billable. And then question three, they would measure the percent of time that is billable, kind of in that same unit of measure. Mm -hmm. And then question four, how often did they make that measurement? every week so if you're an associate now you know what target you're trying to hit and you know how hard you have to work and you can even measure it yourself so that you're ready when time comes to review you so another uh, example here then around question four frequency of measurement if you think about it every time you go to a restaurant and the server comes over and asks oh how is everything they're basically making a measurement on your experience and it's nice when they do that and you might not think anything about it however if you have a server come over and they say heather how's your meal and you tell them it's just fine and they go "And the soup how would you like the soup <laughs> and what about the glass this is it full enough did I get you water enough? Should I get you more water and a lemon? Do you want a lemon? And how how big should the lemon be? And do you want me to clean your plate? And <laughs>
0: But
1: when they go on and on and on like that, you, you know that something's wrong. Well, what's wrong is their frequency of measurement. Mm-hmm. They just need to come over, ask you how things are, and take care of it and disappear. Right. So that's uh, an example. And frequency of measurement really is a very important item because that tells you how often you'll be getting the feedback. And just uh, one other key piece about measurement, I think especially the the kind of organizations that the, the people listening to this broadcast are likely to be in are Pretty traditional organizations where there are lots of different performance metrics. Often, though, the measurements are being made kind of by the managers or reported to the managers, and then the managers in turn are turning around and giving feedback to their people. That's really what we would call management, and that's not always especially empowering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it turns out the person who is making the measurement or really is kind of requesting the measurement, is ultimately responsible. Here's an example of how that works. When my son was seven years old and in first grade, I found myself constantly having to wake him up, literally pulling him out of bed, taking off his pajamas, helping him get his pants on, and and it was just ridiculous. And something hit me. I said, this is time to uh, apply that I help teach people. So I said to him, look, son, you're seven years old. You don't need a grown-up doing this for you. You're old enough to handle it yourself. And as part of your growing up, that's what you really need to be doing. So here's what we'll do. Starting tomorrow, you'll get up. You'll take care of all this by yourself. And success is that you're downstairs ready to go by 7:10 every school day. When you come down here, write it down on this chart, and you can see how you did. And just to make it fun, do that 10 days in a row, and we'll go to Toys R Us to celebrate. However, it's not about the toy. It's really about growing up and handling this yourself. And so we'll keep doing it for the next month till school ends. So he came down the first day and he writes on the chart 707, next day comes down 705, and so on and so on. I and mean, he just did great, he never missed it. About the third or fourth day, I asked him, So, son, tell me, who's doing the measuring here, the adult or the child? And he said to me, The adult, the adult in me. Hmm. So that really shows the power of measurement and empowerment, and if it works for a seven-year-old, believe me, it works for grown-ups as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we have the concept
1: of the four questions creating
2: alignment. How, If someone wanted to implement something like this, how would they go about doing that? Where do you start?
1: You start by learning this concept yourself, we have a reference book. We also do coaching and consulting and teach classes in it. But you you want to get clear on it yourself and it turns out that the other people don't even have to know about these questions. But if you follow this template and just get very explicit with people and very clear, you will create pull whether they know this concept or not. Mm-hmm. So always make sure that you have these four pieces of information and you're very clear who your customer is. So in the case of a major change initiative, really your customer is is everyone in the corporation, but especially the sponsor of the change. Mm-hmm. So you would want to be very clear with them before you ever jumped into this, what is the purpose of this change? And write it down so that Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And it, you'll also want to communicate this in the message to the organization. You'll also want to be very clear then what is success for this project. And success might be uh, 5% cost reduction on this product, uh, 10% cycle time reduction, uh, whatever it is. So you want to make sure everybody knows that up front so they know what target to hit. You don't want them running into the where's the lobster problem. And then you need to, once you've defined what the measures of success are, then it's a simple matter to make sure that you are measuring exactly what you specified. And then you set an appropriate frequency of measurement. Typically on a long project, that might be monthly. And so monthly you're reporting feedback to the whole organization. However, you as the project leader would want to make that measurement more often so that you can make any adjustments if you find you're falling short of where you need to be at the end of the month. That's a good point. Like if you, if you have to get a uh, report done for school, you don't wait until the night before to get started on it. You need to start on it early and know how you're doing. So on that last day when the teacher says, where's my report? you have it ready to go, and you know you'll do it.
2: Great. Are there any of these steps that are particularly challenging to get answers on or get agreement on?
1: The, what we find is being able to write a good measure of success statement is really, really important. It, it can be very subtle, the the difference between a good one and a bad one can be really subtle. And you want to be able to clearly define what success is. You also want to make sure that what you've defined relates to the purpose that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can do a good job on the measure of success, then the actual measurement and what you need to measure follows directly from that. Uh, what often happens to people is they'll define a great measure of success and then they'll turn around and they'll say, you know what, we don't know how to measure this. Well, it turns out there are plenty of experts that know how to measure things. You can literally go on Google and make a search for how to measure this and you'd be amazed at how much wisdom is out there. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, as a practical matter, if there isn't a way to measure it, then you might need to tweak the measure of success. And also remember that sometimes subjective measurements are the only kind that exist.
2: Right.
1: And then that's okay.
2: Great. So where might someone find additional resources?
1: Additional information can be found on our website, which is pullthinking.com. We also uh, offer seminars in Atlanta, typically about every two months. We're also able to come on site uh, to really help people master the material. takes about, we typically teach this over three half-day sessions when we go on site at a company, making it easy for people to absorb the material and yet still do their job and not feel that pressure. The real learning comes from applying these concepts to your own situation to either solve a problem or launch a project, and we provide coaching to help people successfully do that. Great.
2: Well, Jeff, thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking the time to explain poll thinking and the four questions to us.
1: Well, you're welcome, Heather. Happy to do it. I can also uh, give my phone number if anybody has any further questions, in my email. Sure, go
2: ahead. My
1: email email is Jeff J E F F at pollthinking.com, dot com, and my phone is four zero four five zero two zero three eight six. Be more than happy to have a conversation with anybody about uh, these concepts or answer any questions they may have based on today. Great. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: In in two weeks, I'll be talking about four reasons not to conduct an employee survey. uh, Coming up on Tuesday, February 2nd, 2010 at 11 a.m. Eastern, Uh, employee surveys can be useful tools. However, there are at least four warning signs that conducting a survey may be doing more harm than good. So we'll talk about that in two weeks. In the meantime, if you would like to see how we might work together to influence change in your organization, organization, please visit www.inclaria.com. Thank you for listening to the Change Agents Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative.
0: Using an overpriced trash bag, pricey, pricey, pricey. a bag that breaks, whippy, whippy, whippy. or a smelly bag, stinky, stinky, stinky. time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price.
2: Hefty, hefty,
0: hefty. They're best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty,
2: happy, hefty.